Matthew 7, if you've got your Bibles, you'll be turning there. Uh, he knows uh, what we can do, and that's why he knows where to put us. And nobody in this building can do everything, but all of us can do something. Amen? Not all of us have a, a every gift, but all of us has got a gift. And the Lord knows what that gift is, and he is more than able to put you in a place where you're going to be productive. And that's the whole idea if you're serving God, you want to be productive. You want to, when you say do something for the Lord, uh, you want to get to that place where you're supposed to be. And when you get there, you just serve faithfully. You know, the Lord is looking for laborers. He's not looking for leaders. Uh, he said, Matthew 9, he said, we need to pray for laborers. The harvest is full, but the laborers are few. We've got a lot of people who want to be a leader, but he said, I need some laborers. He's had a, he's had a, uh, a work shortage forever. You know what I'm saying? He's had help wanting signs up for uh, generations, and uh, it's still up because the harvest is still plenteous, and the laborers are few. We all get tied up in our lives and in our careers and in uh, you know just everyday grind, but in the end, we're we're here to serve Him and do what He wants us to do, and we need to keep that in mind and always out front because I tell him I said he pay, he plays second fiddle to nothing or nobody. When he said, if you love your children more than you do me, you're not worthy to be my disciple. That's pretty big. That, that's, some heavy, that's some heavy Christianity right there. He said, if you love your mother and father more than you do me, he said, you're not worthy to be my disciple. He said, if you love your houses and your lands, so that song is definitely a good, that's what you call a spiritual song because you're going to have to make a choice somewhere. And uh, that's what I'm going to preach about this morning. I thought, that's great. And he sung that song. But let me say this while you're turning to Matthew 7. I appreciate Brother Kevin allowing me to come by and preach. It's been a long time since I preached. I believe I preached here once during COVID, I think, out in the parking lot. But it's been uh, three or four years since I preached here. He's not here, uh, but it was good without him. So you can tell him we can do without him. We can do without you, Kevin. Amen. We love you, buddy, but we can do without you because the Lord showed up. Amen. But uh, I appreciate Brother Kevin. He's been so faithful over the years, uh, him and his family, just to serve the Lord. And, and, and the Lord's used him here, and I appreciate that. But I appreciate your kindness. Uh, Johnny's already paid me. I don't know what he paid me. So when I get done, I will look at it to see if I need to give you a refund. Uh, but that ain't going to happen. Amen. So... Uh, or I may ask for more. I don't know. You can't never tell. But uh, but I appreciate the good place to stay. It's just really good. And, and I just appreciate people's faithfulness over the years that I've seen. I know their faces. I don't remember everybody's name, but I know their faces. And, and it's good when you go back and you see people still doing what they was doing. And uh, because so many people are up and down, in and out, they're hot and they're cold. And I, I, you know, I made up my mind a long time ago, whether I'm right or wrong, I'm coming to church. Whether I'm cold or hot, whether I feel like it or not, I'm coming over here because I get the devil preached off of me and out of me sometimes in this place. And I have to repent just like everybody else. And uh, look, uh, in the prison ministry, I see things and I hear things and and 36 years of it, some days I go in that place and I, and I see those guys for exactly what they are. And I, I turn around and leave that day because uh, I'm like anybody else. Now, God will forgive you of any sin. Uh, there are just some that, that I want. Amen? 
Because I hear people say, I want to see everybody get saved. I said, do you? You need to hear some of the stories I, I, I hear, and you need to know some of the people I know. I said, this between us and God is he'll forgive you of every sin. He saves people we don't think he can. Sometimes he saves people we don't want him to. But he saves them because, you know, I learned a long time ago, I'm the preacher. I'm not the Spirit of God. I'm not, I'm not uh, the Savior. I'm just the preacher. And that's why I tell them at prison, I don't know it, don't see it, don't smell it, don't tell it. I ain't the police. I'm the preacher. And I'm here to preach to you. I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to preach. But if I make a friend, that's a good thing. And, and that's why uh, we just need to realize is God's put us here to do his work, and I appreciate him allowing me to do it, and I appreciate y'all helping me and my family so much. Uh, you've got uh, prayers, you've got money invested in me and my family in this work, and 36 years, trust me, we've seen a lot of good things happen. Uh, I've not always been the best preacher, uh, I've not always been the best missionary, but uh, I go in there and I just try to stay faithful at it. And some days I'm really good at it. And some days I'm really bad at it. But, you know, I'm just at it. Amen. And that's the way I have to do. Whether we're good at it or bad at it, we just have to get at it. Amen. And just stay faithful to it. But here in Matthew chapter 7, uh, y'all start at 1030. Man, y'all sing a long time around here. It's already 22 after. It's almost I started. We'll be done by 12. We'll get to eat the Methodist. Amen. That'd be great. That'd be good. Amen. But anyway, Matthew chapter 7. I want you to look here. The Lord put this message on my heart this morning. I was praying about it because uh, you do want to preach what, is, what is, uh, needs to be heard. And uh, we need to hear all of it. But sometimes there are just some things that need to be heard more than others. And here in Matthew chapter 7, in verse 13, he said, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Father, I pray that you'd help us today uh, to preach your word. I pray that you'd just uh, help us to edify the body of Christ and feed the church of God that you purchased with your own blood. Bring to our remembrance what we've been faithful to study. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray, amen. I want to try to preach to you just for a little while this morning, if I could, on this thought of two roads. Uh, you know, we live in a, in a world uh, that, uh, you know, you've got a lot of choices, you know, and, but really when it gets right down to it, there's only two. Uh, there's a lot of young people in here, uh, you know, you're going to decide to be truck drivers or, or lawyers or doctors and, and uh, you know, factory workers or whatever, whatever you're going to do with your life, you're going to have some choices there. But uh, just like that song said, and like this passage, the scripture says, uh, we're going to make a choice. I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. Well, now, if you can have Jesus and gold and silver too, that's all right because he said there's some people in the Bible that actually have that. And I think that's a good thing. Amen? Uh, somebody told me one time, money don't buy happiness. I said, well, everybody I know that ain't God, it's miserable. Amen? And so it does put a grin on your face sometimes, and it does get you to, uh, some needs met. So it's okay to be rich and saved. Matter of fact, my brother-in-law... He was talking to a fellow one time that got rich in his 50s. And he said, what's it like being uh, saved and rich? He said, it's wonderful. Amen. So there you go. It's okay if you do good in your career and you come out on top. That's a blessing. Amen. But in the end, it's really just down to this. You're either saved or you're lost. You're a tare or you're, or you're a wheat. Uh, you're either for him or you're against him. 
It's that plain and simple. And because he said, look, if you're not gathering with me, he said, you're scattering abroad. He said, if you're not for me, you're against me. So if you don't pick your side, he picks it for you. Amen. And in this passage of scripture, you know, Jesus had been preaching since chapter 5 on what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And when he got done, the Bible said the people were astonished at his doctrine because he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. You know what he done? He just preached uh, the truth, the plain, simple truth. And, uh, and I tell folks that's what preachers need to do. They need to preach with some authority and realize that the book they're preaching from is perfect. It's preserved. Uh, it's a profitable book. And uh, you can go on and on about the Bible because, uh, look, the Lord was laying down truth and he put down plain and simple truths. And when you read those truths that he mentions in chapter 5, 6, and 7, uh, look here, you can't top that. I mean, it is preaching that totally astounds you. And in this uh, right here, he starts talking to people. And, and look, he's talking to people that are uh, supposedly the religious crowd of the day. I believe one of the uh, biggest messages other than salvation in the New Testament is uh, the, the Lord warning us against false doctrine, false preachers, and uh, things of that nature. Now, I can tell you now that most people are going to die and go to hell from a church house more than they ever did a jailhouse. Uh, everybody believes something. There's some of these good old boys running up down the road and uh, they think like I used to think, you know, if you get a haircut and get a job and quit your meanness and find you a good woman and start going to church, then you're a good fella and, uh, you know, the Lord's going to kick the gate open and there you are, you're going to be in eternity. You know, there's a lot of uh, good old country boys that done that and they've never repented of their sins and never been saved by the grace of God. And that's a sad thing. There's some good people that, uh, you know, their parents have told them ever since they was small that they were good and that they could accomplish anything that they wanted to. And, uh, and uh, you know, they, uh, they led them in a little prayer when they were six or seven. And sometimes, you know, they hang on to that. And uh, look, uh, I've got some reservations about childhood evangelism, and I'm not saying you can't get saved then, but I just have to wonder about some things. Amen. It's okay. My son got saved when he was 8, 10, 12, and 14. I shouted every time. Amen. But when he got it at 14, he told me, hey, I got it, and I can live with that one. I can die with that one. That's a good thing. Amen. So leave the door open there. Uh, but they're, they're, they, they tell him all the time, hey, you're okay. And uh, people nowadays, you know, I mean, they're, they're told all the time about uh, uh, the, how good they are a lot of times. Now, my son, when I used to preach at his Christian school, he went to uh, Christian school from middle school through high school, and he said, Dad, they hate it when you preach here. And I said, well, it's all good because I hate preaching here. And, uh, and I used to tell them all the time, look, you, you're not what your parents say you are. You're not good. Uh, you, you're, you're wicked. And you need to repent of your sins and you need to get right with God. And I'd point some of them out because they'd try to uh, bully me, I guess, uh, with their face or whatever. And, and look, I don't take too good to that. So I just point them out and say, I'm talking about you. And I would point them out, and the ones I pointed out, one of them sitting on the front row at Bledsoe Correctional, and he takes notes on my sermons, and he tells them, look, if I'd listened to this preacher at Christian school, I wouldn't be taking notes over here at the prison today. 
And uh, look, uh, he needs to get saved and he needs to get right with God. And, and Jesus laid it out pretty strain and, uh, plain and straight here, uh, talking about these two roads. Now, it's often said that God allows U-turns. I think it'd be better, uh, better uh, said and be more appropriate if we said God allows us to change lanes. Amen? Because uh, look here, we're all on the road, and it's kind of like uh, Brother uh, Curtis Hudson. He used to work at the post office before he became a pastor. And uh, he said he would witness the people at work. And uh, there's a lady came in one day and said, well, uh, Brother Curtis or Preacher Curtis said, uh, you know, I come up one road, you came up another, and this guy here came up another road, but we all wound up at the post office. Said, what do you think of that illustration? He said, it's a great illustration. It was all going to the post office, but we're not going to the post office. Amen. There's only one road to heaven. And uh, Jesus Christ said, we're going to have to make that choice of what that road's going to be. Now, the roads he's talking about, uh, the first one he said is a straight road. When you get saved, uh, that word means to be uh, free from obstacles. When you get saved by the grace of God, there's nothing between you and heaven. 2 Corinthians 5.21 said, For hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. When you get saved, you're baptized into, uh, by the Holy Ghost into the body of Christ. Uh, you're saved and you're sealed and uh, until the day of redemption. When he looks at you, he don't look at your flesh. He looks at what he done on the inside of you. And that's why you're righteous in the eyes of God. That's the only reason you're a fit subject for heaven is because what he put inside you makes you holy and righteous and ready to go to heaven and nothing else. Amen? But that word in this context, I believe what it means here too, it means also to agonize and uh, difficult to be entered into. It's a narrow road. And uh, you know, sometimes we forget to tell people that when you walk this road, it's a narrow road. Now look here, they're shoulder to shoulder on this road, son. I mean, the lane is, uh, is very narrow. He described it as a narrow lane. And he said it's a straight path. And look, like I said, it's free from obstacles, but we need to realize that along the way, we are going to run into some difficulties. Some of these young people in here, especially these young adults, they're in a place where they're trying to be a grown-up and a child at the same time. That's a hard place to be. Some of these young men and women in here find their emotions of all different areas of their life. And look here, they're trying to serve God, and it's not always an easy road. I've raised a son, he's 28 years old, he's not married, so if you're pretty and got money or a good job, I'm taking you home with me. Okay, I just want you to know that. But look here, he made up his mind to serve the Lord, and, and uh, he dated around a little bit and said, look, I'm praying for a wife, uh, I don't need a girlfriend, I need a wife. But look here, I told him his whole life, that's not an easy choice you're making right here. Sometimes you're going to be ostracized. Sometimes they're going to look at you and say that, look, uh, you're a goody two-shoes or whatever they're saying. We used to call them different names, but I'm just telling you, you, you've made a choice that if you're going to walk with God, you are going to have to suffer some pressure every once in a while, and it's going to be put on you. But look, he said it's a narrow road. It's, it's a hard road. Look here, you've got people criticizing you the whole time you're on that road. You're just too narrow-minded. 
Uh, you know, you just expect too much out of people. But he said in Luke 13, 24, Strive to enter in at the straight gate for many. I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. He said there's a lot of people that are trying to get in. They're trying to get in a lot of ways. Like I said, they're quitting their meanness and started doing good. All they've done is just change places. Sometimes they've changed friends, but they've never repented of their sins. Now this lady here, she, she wasn't being deceitful. She was just being deceived. The Bible talks about uh, self-deception sometimes. You talk yourself in, say, well, you know, I am saved. I am saved. I came up in a good family. I've always dressed right. I've always done right. We've all got our problems, and I have done some things that, that I shouldn't do. And you just convince yourself you're saved. Look here. He said it's a, it's a road that you have to strive to enter into. And he said many is going to get there, but they're not going to be able to. How Jesus spoke about them here in Matthew 7. He said some of them are pretending to be sheep, but they prove out to be wolves. Now there's some people in there, they know they ain't saved. They know they're not right with God and they just can't wait for the day when they get off the leash, son. Look here, long before you leave this building, God knows where you're headed. Amen. Look here, there's men and women. I ain't just talking to young people here. There's men and women sitting in churches and they're just waiting for the moment. They're just waiting for the time. They've got some hidden sin there. And trust me, I've been preaching long enough. I've been in church long enough. I've seen about everything you could possibly think of. And look, God knows what you're thinking and He knows what your plan is. He knows you're getting ready to part. But look here, He knows you're pretending to be a sheep. But you know in your heart, and he knows too, that you're a wolf. Amen? But look here, they're on this road, and there's a lot of people interested in going to heaven, but they're not interested in the way to heaven. Before I got saved, I knew I was going to have to quit a lot of stuff. guy like me, there's a long list of stuff. I think, I'm going to have to quit this if I get saved. You know, I'm going to have to quit listening. It's easy to talk a little bit. Every once in a while I hear them, I'm thinking, that still sounds good. <laughs> Little Arrow Smith, boy, they got on Social Security. You know what I'm saying? And you like it. But you know what? There's something on the inside that says, no, you can't do that. You've got to cut some things loose. There's some people and places and some deeds that, that you do that you know you're just going to have to cut them loose. Amen. And look, there's a lot of people, they want to go to heaven, but you know, I mean, everybody's saved now. It don't matter, you look here. I was preaching in a prison one time, and I named off four or five stars who had died, and they'd have their funerals, and, and, uh, and I said, uh, they'd always say they're up there looking down on us, and I said, really, they're down there looking up at us, and this woman said, don't forget Tupac. In a room full of young black men, that, that resonated. Amen. And here's Dale Earnhardt. Amen. But anyway, you know what I'm talking about. From, from Cain to the current day, they're trying to get up some other way. 
He gave the best that he had, but the best he had wasn't good enough. Your, your, your righteousness is still that's 50 rags. Uh, uh, this lady here, I, mentioned, I remember a lady when I first got saved. Now, look, uh, she, I remember she going to the altar. She was up in her 60s at that time, and me and her son was very good friends, and she went to the altar, and preacher got down there and said, Sister Depp, how can I help you? She said, Preacher, I need to get saved. She said she was the perfect wife, the perfect mother. She had raised a good family. She had been around the church her whole life. And she said, look, I need to get saved. John 1, 9, he said he lights every man that comes into the world. There's going to be a place and a time where God turns a light on. It might be today and you need to respond to that light when he opens it up and says, let you see uh, where you're at. Amen. I believe in the whosoever, not a whensoever. Amen, but look here. Acts 4, 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now he was preaching that to religious people. I'd like to say all these people around these buildings here are all saved. But you know, sometimes we get in this situation and we think, well, this guy's awful and this guy's good. When I first went into prison ministry, when I first got saved, rather, uh, I used to think everybody in church was good. Everybody in prison was bad. Nothing could be further from the truth. You know, I, uh, there's a guy in my prison, uh, and, and we talked, and he said, sure, I want you to tell my story. This guy was, uh, his name's Joe Risner. You can look him up. Him and a bunch of other Satanists took a whole family out and killed them. And, uh, you know, he said when he got to prison, he said, I remember there's a guy next to me, and he said he just got saved. And he said, I was laying over here in my cell. And he said, look, buddy, if you'll read the Bible to me and tell me the best you can what the Bible means, I'll let you use my phone. And Joe, you know, he, he don't care. He's thinking, I can use his phone. And he said, but you know, for hours we would lay on our belly and I'd read the Bible to him under the door. And he said, I would tell him what I thought it meant. And he said, you know, he said, uh, uh, that old guy got to moving on. He said, but the Bible started bothering me. That's why preachers ought to preach the Bible. The Bible bothers people. And he said, the Bible started bothering me. And to make the long and the short of it, he said, uh, he said I started watching these preachers on TV. He said, that guy smiles a lot. I said, Joel Osteen. He said, yeah. He said that one that, uh, you know, uh, Joseph Prince and one of them other guys that's in his 60s and tries to act like he's 20. He said, yeah, he said, they told me if you just say this prayer, you'll be saved. And he said, I tried that, but it just didn't work. He said, my mother was the worst hypocrite I'd ever met in my life. He said, so I wrote the only real Christian I knew. He said, it was my aunt. And said, my aunt told me, said, Joe, just keep reading your Bible. And if you'll just read your Bible, she said, you will know when you need to get saved. And he said, one morning, when I was reading my Bible, about 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, it hit me what I needed to do. And I got down on my knees and I asked the Lord to save me. He said a prayer, the right prayer at the right time under Holy Ghost conviction. And he got saved by the grace of God. Now look here, friend. He ought to die in his sin and go to hell, according to all of us. But look here, he's going to go to heaven. They Some of these preachers standing in a pulpit here in this town today that's going to die in their sin and go to hell. Amen. You know why? Because one of them decided to realize where he was at 
and realized Jesus Christ was his only hope and his only help. He wasn't trying to, he wasn't trying to impress nobody. There's some folks uh, they're trying to impress God by, by their goodness. Jesus ain't ever changed his mind. John 14, 6. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He ain't changed his mind. Amen. Look here. If you ever hear people say we get in dire straits sometimes? Some people are in dire straits. I mean, pressure's on that family or that individual. That's where we're often at sometimes as God's people. He said in John 15 and verse 18, he said, if the world hated me, it's going to hate you too. Look here, we need to realize this world is not our friend. This world is against everything we're doing over here. I mean, we're life and they're death. We're light and they're darkness. We're truth and they're alive. We look here, we know Him. They do not know Him. And friend, I'm telling you, when you get to stand up preaching the Word of God, like He was in Acts chapter 4, when He told them there's no other way, it grieved them, it still grieves folks. And I'm telling you, the Lord said, you've got to make up your mind. You're going to walk this straight road. God told me, he said, I've known you 40 years, and you've never changed. And I told him, I said, well, I don't mean to sound arrogant, but I was right then, and I'm right now. You know why? Because truth don't change. Amen? We're still right, and they're still wrong. But anyway, uh, he talks about the broad road. You know, that's an easy road. If you want to be a guy in a dress with a beard... And say, I'm a woman. You've got enough fools in this world, they'll say, okay, I'm good. No, you're a sodomite in a dress, and you're a freak, dude. Amen? That's just it. I'm not going to stick my head in the sand and act like that that's normal behavior. And, and nobody's going to convince me to get up and agree with their perversion just to make them feel better about their perversion. It ain't going to happen here. Amen? But anyway, uh, that, there's a lot of room on that road. You can talk anyway, dress anyway, be anyway, do anyway. And you know what? There ain't going to be uh, uh, nobody give you a hard time about it. Ain't that, don't you wish it was really that way? Some of the kooky stuff that goes through your head. Don't you wish it was normal? But you know better. You know how I know that? Because I get them same kooky thoughts. We're all a bunch of kooks, amen? But we think, that's crazy. I can't do that. Amen. But look here. Do what you want anytime you want. And you know what? Uh, they, they ain't nobody going to say anything. You've got a whole lot of com uh, company on that road. He says there's going to be many on that road. Most of the world's going to hell according to this Bible. And there's different reasons for that. He said in Isaiah 1.9, Except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant, we should have been as Sodom and we should have been like unto Gomorrah. He said God had a small little number here and he saved Israel then. And by the way, he's going to save them now. I've done read the Bible. Israel wins. We go to heaven. The world loses and it gets burned up. Amen. Ain't that good that you know the end of the game before the game even starts? That's what reading your Bible does for you. Amen. But anyway, I mean, we are salt and we are light and they're not. But he said, look, God put us here and tolerance to the world is when you totally agree with everything they say and don't look at anything they do as weird. Now, you know what uh, happens sometimes along the way? 
you know, we get a little bit weary in the way. We don't get, we get weary in well-doing. We don't get weary the way we get weary in our, in, in our well-doing. And we get like Jeremiah. And you know what we do? We say, look, it don't do no good. I ain't going to say nothing. I've done it myself. I know you've done it too. And you say, I ain't going to say nothing. This place went crazy and it don't matter what I say. He said, but you know, I got to listening to them and looking at them and, and, and watching all the stuff they was doing and saying. And he said, I could not forbear. He said, it was like a fire shut up in my bones. And you realize that one day somebody is going to listen to you and they're going to get saved. And you think, hey, they're worth it. Amen. It's on a, in a twisted world. You just keep doing what you're doing. Here's where most of the world's at in Jeremiah chapter 12 and verse 1. Righteous art thou, O Lord, when I plead with thee. Yet let me talk with thee of thy judgments. Wherefore doth the way of the wicked prosper? You ever wonder that? Wherefore are all they happy that deal very treacherously? They laugh a lot. Now if you know anything about a lot of people that laugh, you know, just like... Uh, uh, Robin Williams, they said, is a coke addict. That's why he was so hyper and laughed so much. He stayed stoned all the time. Amen. Thou hast planted them, yea, they have taken root. They grow, yea, they bring forth fruit. Thou art near in their mouth and far from their reins. You know what reins do, don't you? They control you. They talk a good game. Look, I ain't on Facebook, but uh, I had it briefly years ago because I was trying to track down a preacher, and I knew he would have one. And, uh, and, and on there, I got to looking at everything everybody eats. I don't know why they want to tell me what you're eating. I don't care. And, and uh, every one of them would put a Bible verse on there, and you'd think, man, this is John or Joni the Baptist. And I'm thinking, but I know them people. It's not John, and it's not Joni the Baptist. Them people won't even darken the door of a church. But anyway, he said, look, they, they, they talk about you all the time, but they never let you control them. But anyway, is this making any sense to y'all? You ever wonder what a church full of Pharisees would look like? I used to love what Adrian Rogers would say. He said a church full of Pharisees, he said they would all be dressed right. They would all sing. They would all give. He said they would all be uh, involved in the work. He said, but all of them would go to hell. That's a terrible thought when you think about decent people that are not saved people. Amen, but there's two roads. That road there uh, then talks about the riches of those roads. That straight road is said leads to life in verse number 14. Now look, I, I always told my son, you've got to live today, so you might as well live well. Amen. And uh, look, I, when I got saved, there's one thing I wanted more than anything. I wanted a better life. I was sick and tired of, uh, of my life. I told folks I was sick and tired of poverty. I was sick and tired of my friends and my sin. I mean, I just, I, I, look here, I was a heathen. I never read the Bible before I got saved. I'd heard bits and pieces of preaching here and there. And, and then the first preacher I heard from start to finish, I got saved. That, that's, a, that's a blessing. Well, look here, I, I wanted a better life. I didn't know this. I knew that I was not going to be here forever. I knew I wasn't going to be young forever. I knew I was going to get old and I would die one day. And I used to think to myself, I'd at least like to think it's been good to be here and just enjoy a few things along the way. 
But you know, I didn't know. I thought if you got a lot of money or education or properties and, and things like that and you achieved all these things, I said, you know, you would be happy. But look, there's some people, they've got every bit of that and they blow their brains out every day. I talk to millionaires and people who have got hundreds of thousands of dollars in my own family. And look, they're successful, but they're not happy. They've got a lot in the bank and nothing in their soul. And I'm telling you, friend, what a blessing it was when I realized that John 10, 10 said this. The thief, come out, look, that thief is church. That thief is religion. He said, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. He said, I'm come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Thank God, since 1978, I've not existed. I've literally lived my life and it has been a good life in quantity and quality. Amen. Some of my friends, I've had them knock on my door, my old friend, and they'd be, Staggering, drunk, and bleeding. Saying, can you give me a ride home? I can't walk like I used to. And I clean them up, and I put them in my car, and I take them home. And on the way home, this one friend of mine, he told me, he said, you know, when you first got saved, Larry, we laughed at you. He said, your name would come up at a party, and we would just make all kinds of jokes about you being a Christian. And uh, he said, you know, when you started preaching and your name came up, he said, we really had a big time with that. He said, but now we're just a bunch of old men. He said, we're either dead, in jail, or street-walking drunks. And he said, you've had a great life. Can I tell you something, friend? Yours may not turn out like this, but I'll guarantee you this. If you hook to this world and all the riches of this world, when it's all said and done, you'll be like America's first billionaire was, Howard Hughes, when they had his funeral. He had him read these verses here. He said, if a man gained the whole world and lose his soul, what profit is it? He said, I had everything. Charlemagne, the guy that created what we would know of uh, modern Europe right now, they unsealed his tomb hundreds of years after his death. And when he died, he, he was dying. He said, I want my crown. I want my scepter. And he said, I, I want to die with him on when you bury me. They buried him on his throne. And when they unsealed his tomb, Charlemagne was sitting there, the crown had fell down against his uh, skull. He still had his scepter, but he had his finger on a verse in the Bible. And it read, if a man gain the whole world and lose his own soul, what profit is it? A guy that created what we call modern Europe. He said, the only thing that matters is what you do with him. Amen? Look here. The only real life is his life. He said in Romans 5, 1, that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I see people wringing their hands all the time. They're worried about global warming. They're worried about the Antichrist. They're worried about what's going to go on in Ukraine and, and what's going to go on in Israel. Look here, you can't do nothing about that. They're worried about the border. They're worried about inflation. They're worried about their jobs. They're worried about where their next meals are. They just worry all the time. Look, I've got peace in a world that's gone nuts. People say, what's going on in this world? Preacher, I said, according to the Bible, he's going to burn it up. Don't drive the tent stakes too deep. Amen. But anyway, 
Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And look, we're all going to go through stuff. I don't care who you are. You're going to go through stuff. Saved or lost, young or old, you're going to go through some stuff. And when you go through that stuff, you're going to need something. One thing, I, I look, I've been through some stuff. And you know what? I've got the peace of God, and I don't let it bother me. When they told me I had cancer, I stayed for cancer back when I was 47 years old. They said, look, it may have spread to other organs in your body. We don't know. And you know what I told my wife? I said, I'm not going to be an Internet doctor. I'm not going to read about all this because I can't do nothing about it. I said, I'm just going to do what I'm supposed to do to stay alive. I'm going to trust that doctor to do what I can't do to keep me alive. And you know what my doctor told me? He said, we're both going to trust God to do what neither one of us can do to see what happens. And you know what? Here I am. It's all good. But I can tell you, I had the peace of God through every bit of that. But anyway, some of them look like I've been preaching as long as they sung. Quit that. Amen. All right. He talked about that broad road. That broad road that leads to destruction. All roads are going to lead somewhere. Where's yours going to? Where's yours going to lead you to? I had a brother drunk a fifth of whiskey every day for over thirty years. He used to tell me, he said, it's going to bother me until it took his health and then his life. Amen. You can smoke and, and, and you can uh, you, uh, overeat or whatever. You can have a bitter, hateful, mean attitude, but it's going to show up on your face. It's going to show up in your health. Look here, science will tell you that if you walk around angry all the time, that it's a stress on you and you are going to pay the price for that one day. Amen. I used to deal with this guy. He was so bitter. And I don't know why he was so bitter. He wouldn't even talk. And I would tell him for years, Roger, you better stop that. You better get right with God. about That bitterness, that root of bitterness, he said, it will defile you. It's going to destroy everybody around you. You're going to become an island unto yourself. There's a reason why nobody wants to hang out with you. Amen. Look here, eventually he took a pistol and killed himself from his family after he'd run him out of the house with a gun. Look here, it took decades, but he got there. You can do it for decades, but it will get there. Amen. I didn't think I'd be in my 60s this quick, but here I am, son, and I'm hoping to live to be in my hundreds like my papa did so I can draw all my Social Security back. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Amen. But look here. It leads to destruction. Now, destruction in this passage deals with the idea of ruin, not the loss of being, but the loss of well-being. There's a lot of people got up today, and they've got a life. It's just a terrible one. Amen? You know, I mean, uh, I, I look here, I, I kind of like uh, what Moses done. Hebrews 11, 25, he said, that when he came to years, he refused to be called, in verse 24, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather, he made a choice, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God rather to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. You know, he was never told, you're my son. Those are your people. That's where we saved you from. He knew in his heart, he knew the whole time, those are my people. My mom and daddy's down there. My brothers and sisters are down there. I'm over here just by, just by good fortune. But he said, you know, I'm up big enough now. I can make a choice. 
And see, some of y'all are going to make a choice. Somebody's going to make a choice that's going to disappoint your parents. But you're going to have to live your choices. Amen? You're going to make some choices. You're going to marry somebody. Look, you know what I told my son? I said, you know what's worse than not having a, having a mate? Having the wrong one. Because, well, I don't know. You come to my house, 95 days out of 100 is good. Them other five days, I'm mowing the yard and painting something. <laughs> my wife's pretty as a dog and sweet as honey, but sometimes she come down that hall, son, and she's waiting on somebody to get on her last nerve, and I'm, I'm out of there. <laughs> That's right. Some of you, you're going to have 95 days out of 100. It's going to be terrible. Some of you, you know, I, I, there's a guy one time, he said, a friend of mine was preaching, he said a kid stood up, said, I just want to tell this church, I renounce my faith in Jesus Christ, started running his mouth. I said, if his daddy hadn't thrown him out the door, I would have thrown him out the door. Good, get on out of here. We don't need your kind. Amen? But look here, you're going to make some choices. You're going to have to live them choices. Amen? But look here. God's got the monopoly on the real thing. You want real happiness? You know what I tell them guys in prison all the time? I'm talking to 18, 25-year-olds all the time doing 20 years, some of them life without uh, the possibility. Some of them on death row. And, and they, I said, you know, back when you was there and you said, hey, leave me alone. This is my life. I will do what I want to do. I said, that's the first person you called when they locked you up. And they said, yes, it was. You know why? Because that they're living their life and the only person had any real life them people sitting on the front porch, that little house rocking, watching the cars go by, had a little money in the bank, a whole lot of peace at their house and could go off on vacation and you ain't going nowhere. And if you like that life, man, if you like taking a shower with 150 other guys, knock yourself out. Amen. But anyway, I ain't preaching on that, am I? You can do all that stuff. You can drink and you can carry on and, and dance and be a deceive yourself and you can die on your sins and forever be in the dark. That's up to you, man. But look here, it talks about the ruin. 11.59, the Methodists are going to beat us, okay? But the ruin of this road, all roads end, where's yours going to end? That straight road, he said, leads to life. You know what? I tell people all the time, if I die when I'm preaching, I think that'd be pretty cool. I don't want my wife or son to be there, and hopefully one day grandchildren. You know, but if they're there, it'll freak them out too. I think it'd be great to be preaching and fall over dead. But you know, I tell them, I said, before you hear the thud on the floor, I'm going to be looking him in the face. How do you know that? Because I know what's in my heart, and I know what he said in this book. I'm going to be in heaven. Amen. The run of it all. He said, look, all roads in. He said, it leads to life. John 10, 28, he said, I give unto my sheep eternal life. And he said, no man shall ever pluck them out of my hand. I've got eternal life. I'm going to be alive forever. Amen, ain't that a blessing? You think, I'm going to live forever. Seen this guy there, he's a billionaire. He's a young guy. He's handsome. He's all buff and, all, and he's a billionaire. And he said, I'm working on immortality. Forget it, son. Your chest is going to turn into your belly one day. You're going to get old and wrinkled, and you're going to be bald-headed and fake teeth. <laughs> and you're going to be wearing glasses, and you're going to die, and it don't matter if you do have a billion dollars or how smart you are. There's a lot of people with degrees on their wall. They're headed to some degrees they can't handle. Amen. 
2 Corinthians 5, 8, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Amen? That broad road is that leads to destruction. Now, he's talking about eternal destruction. Now, look, let me, let me say this about smart people. I'm glad there's smart people in this world. And if you're smart and saved, that's good too. I was in a meeting last week, and this little nerd, you know, you see him everywhere. He's a little, he was a little nerd. He said he was a nerd. He looked like a nerd. He was literally skinny, had these big old glasses. He was just a nerd. And he was talking about guys like me giving him a hard time, you know, his age. And I'm thinking, I can say, what? Just kidding. But, you know, I said, you know, it's okay to be smart. You can be smart and saved too. You read about all the smart people that were saved people that made your life so much better. There's nothing wrong with education. But you need to realize getting an education is not going to secure your eternity with God. Look here, a matter of fact, I tell him, I said, I don't know how to separate the moisture from the air, run it through a bunch of tubes and blow it into my house or my car and it cooled me off on a hot August day. I said, if anybody goes to work, by good, uh, by, goes to heaven by, by good works, it should be the guy that invented the air conditioner. And my son, he's a history major and he's a history teacher. And he said, well, Dad, I've done some research on that guy. And he said, he was a saved man. Ain't that a blessing? He invented air conditioner and he's going to heaven too. Ain't that a blessing? So look here, but it leads to destruction. So all the people that write all the books and write all the songs and make all the movies and and the world knows who they are. He said the dead are going to stand before God. The, 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 the small, that means those people that was uh, inferior in rank. There's some people born on this planet. They live their whole life. And nobody knows they was born. And they don't even know when they die. But he said the great. That's ones that's in influence and ability and power. Everybody knows who they are. He said, they're all going to stand there before God at the great white throne judgment. If they ain't saved, he said, whosoever. I'd, I'd like to wish, I hope George Washington went to heaven. When you read about Abraham Lincoln's life, you, 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 you think to yourself, he had such a terrible life and you hope that he gets to go to heaven. I mean, if I could meet anybody in the world that I could meet in history gone by, I would want to meet Benjamin Franklin. That guy's got his handprints all over our society now. He was probably one of the biggest weirdos that ever walked this planet. But he'd he done so much that made such a big difference. I'd like to think he went to heaven. I've read that some of them were deists and all that stuff. I've read all that stuff. I'd like to think they went to heaven. You know, sometimes you see folks uh, and, and you think you know where they're at, but you don't know where they're at. A friend of mine he was an independent Baptist preacher who lost everything. And he told me, just to make a long and short of it, he said, I was sitting on the street corner one day on the verge of divorce with a liquor bottle in my hand, homeless, thinking, how in the world did I get here? Now, he got right and he got it all back. But he said, how did I get here? Sometimes things are not as they seem. And, and this, he said, destruction. And Luke 16, 19 through 31 talks about a rich man and a man by the name of Lazarus said both of them died. He went to Abraham's bosom. That, that word bosom there has an interesting meaning to it. It means creek or a bay. And I'm thinking this man's in hell and he can see water. He can hear water, but he can't have no water. You know, and this man had everything but Jesus Christ. He had everything but the truth. 
And you know, when I was in college, and my son, when he graduated from East Tennessee State University, he, he, he didn't even go to his graduation. He said, I'm so tired of hearing all that bull. He said, that foolishness. He said, I just told him, just mail my degree to me. I'm just tired of hearing all you academics. And look, when I sit in there, there's a lot of people that knew a lot of stuff. And you know what? Their knowledge is going to die with them. Every one of them die. There's people that shared knowledges. You know, you can debate with me and fuss with me. And I'll tell you exactly what I told a, a professor at Memphis University. I was preaching on campus down there with a friend of mine one day. Me and him got in a debate. For about 40 minutes, we stood there and we debated back and forth, carbon dating, the age of the earth, and all that other foolishness. And I said, sir, I want you to understand something. One of us is right, and one of us is wrong. I want you to know that I am right, and you're wrong. <laughs> and you know what? He can go tell them kids a lot of stuff in that room. It makes them think he's the smartest guy in the world and make them think they're the smartest people in the world. But in the end, when he dies, I'm going to heaven, and he's going to hell. And you're going somewhere today. You're on one of these two roads, so I hope you make the right choice. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for the word of God that you gave us. I pray, Lord, that you'd touch the hearts of the hearers. Help them, Lord, not to deceive themselves. Lord, maybe some sinners in this place, and they know very well they're not saved. And I pray that you deal with their heart and save them. Help them, Lord, to change lanes today. Lord, for that saint of God that's weary in the well-doing, I pray that you gave them something that's helping them get on down the road and do the work you gave them to do. We love you, and we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Put right